This week on the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we are going to talk about current interpretations of the Civil War. These two great generals are dedicated to a proposition. To each other. And party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me is Rail Splitter Nick. Hello. And we have coming to you from Canada, Rail Splitter Mary. Mary, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? We are good. It's getting cold in Illinois. It's probably already been cold in Canada, though. It's been cold here for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. It's actually only been cold for the last week. Didn't Calgary? I know you're not by Calgary, but I saw something. I, I follow a wrestler on Twitter. He was complaining about all the snow in Calgary. I don't know if you know anything about this. Yeah, they, they get snow there way before we do. We're kind of in like, I don't know, sometimes it's called the banana belt of ontario because we have we sometimes have milder winters than say calgary so it only gets like negative 30 yeah <laughs> it's it's a few degrees above freezing right now out there that's probably where we're at too so yeah um yeah what else is new well we we're actually recording this a couple days ahead of time it is november let's say november 6th Right. Yeah. Which is the anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's presidential election victory in 1860. So we are on the 157th anniversary. Is that right? All right. Yeah. So happy 157th birthday, 1860 election. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though this episode's not going to drop until Thursday, a couple days later. Like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Like it's hot. So (laughs) I bet Lincoln would like that song. I think you would have appreciated it. Is that by yeah. Nelly? Uh, no. That's by Snoop. That's, yeah, I was just saying oh, I'm thinking uh, it's hot in here. Take off all your... Yeah, that's those are not close. They're both maybe in the same decade. Yeah, yeah, so. that was bad. Yeah, yeah. so uh, anyway, uh, we thought we'd start today's episode off by uh, talking a little bit about some podcasts we're listening to. A couple weeks ago, we talked about what we're reading. Uh, but we like to show a little bit of love to other uh, people in the podcast world. So uh, what podcasts are you all listening to? What podcasts? You want to go first, Mary? You want me to go first? Uh, I can start us off. Um, I started, I've kind of been falling behind in my podcast recently, um, just working full time now and just having um, other stuff to do. But I started listening to one called The Hilarious World of Depression, which just as it is, it's about depression. Mm-hmm. But it is um, the host, I think his name is, um, I want, I forgot to write his name down. I just started listening to it and I'm not good with names. Anyway, he interviews celebrities um, that have been battling depression. And it's really, it's really funny, but it's also down to earth. And I'm learning a lot about it. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a great podcast to listen to. And I find myself laughing at it. But then I also find myself like, oh, yeah, I can really relate to that. So it's, it's really fun to listen to. Um, And then 
I also listened to a couple by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation or the CBC, as we call it here in Canada, which is our main TV and radio um, media outlet here. Um, and the first one that I listened to is The Current, which is about current affairs. Um, and they sometimes they often have very interesting topics on there. And the next one I listened to, I think Abraham Lincoln would have really appreciated it. It's called Quirks and Quarks. It's hosted by Bob McDonald and it's all, it's like science and really interesting research that's being done. And um, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I noticed that the, they talked about the Hunley on it a few weeks ago. Uh, oh, so I have to go listen to that episode. So yeah, it's those, those are the three that, that I um, try and listen to. And um, the hilarious world of depression back to it. It's hosted by a guy named John Moe, who is a humorist and a radio host. So, wow. That's cool. I, uh, that science one sounds interesting. I'm uh, I'm not a science, not as into you know, I guess I'm not a science person. That's like one of my weak areas when I play trivia and all that kind of stuff. My brother is a scientist by profession, so I always feel badly that I don't know more in the science world. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something I should check out. It sounds like a fun podcast. As you should feel bad. I should feel bad, and I do. <laughs> uh, Nick, what are you uh, what are you listening to these days? Uh, I kind of got three genres of podcasts I listen to. Uh, I'll start with the film. Uh, I like to listen to some film podcasts. Uh, the one main one I usually go to is Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon um, because they don't tend to go super techie on it. They're pretty laid back. They always want to know, you know, their guests asking, hey, what you watching, what you doing? And they give great insight into kind of like filmmaking and they kind of both the one guy kind of runs his own shop, freelance type stuff. The other guy finally got in a union for a DP stuff. So it's nice since I teach class on that. There's also an awesome one, Wandering DP, where he used, shows video clips. So you kind of got to watch it and listen to it. But that's really good. I also listen to some wrestling podcasts, of which Lincoln would have loved. Um, but, you know, the history ones I listen to primarily are um, uh, the Constitutional now. Uh, Washington Post did one on the presidential where it went through all the presidents, which was mm -hmm. really good. And the constitutional done by the same people, um, a ton better than the presidential, which I thought was good. The production value is so much better. And they're kind of just running through the Constitution. Um, they kind of started with, you know, what it means to be America, kind of looking at race, nationality, the impact that it has, what the Constitution says about that stuff. The last one I just listened to kind of dealt with uh, um, cruel and unusual punishment. Um, talking about the parchment prison down in uh, Mississippi and kind of, you know, kind of post-reconstruction there. So kind of will relate to the topics today. And then The Road to Now I love, so um, with Ben Sawyer and Bob Crawford. So that's a fantastic one. So I just binge listened that got caught up. So Excellent. Uh, I, I concur with uh, your three history ones I also listen to, your other ones. I don't listen to any wrestling podcasts uh, <laughs> or filmmaking podcasts. Um, but I did listen to presidential. I, I'm a couple episodes into constitutional and then I, I obviously am also a big fan of the road to now, uh, a couple podcasts that I listen to. Um, I listened to, um, one of my favorite podcasts that I listened to just this morning is the blockade runner. Those are friends of Nick and I, uh, run that show. It's a star Wars podcast. So if you want to specifically star Wars oriented podcast, um, it's really good. I can vouch for that. And they got a ton of episodes, too. Yeah, and we actually kind of modeled our early uh, Rail Splitter episodes after the Blockade Runner because it's kind of a fan show. Um, it doesn't pretend to be, like, super highbrow mm -hmm. analytical. It doesn't 
you know, all Star Wars fans are welcome. You don't have to be an uber nerd uh, to enjoy that show. So I really like the Blockade Runner. Um, I'm a fan of Trivial Warfare, uh, which is one of the most popular um, trivia podcasts. They, their tagline is they take the pub quiz out of the pub and bring it home to you. So that's definitely a fun one to just kind of participate in a trivia game. Um, and then uh, when I exercise, I really like the um, Runner's World. Had a couple podcasts that they've just joined into one called Personal Best. They used to have the Human Race and the Runner's World show, but now I think they just kind of combine them into Personal Best. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, every now and then I do like to listen to the Manchester United Redcast because <laughs> uh, I like to keep up with my with my squad, my favorite um my favorite football club, Manchester United. They're not Reds. in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> so we just lost at, Ch- at Stanford Bridge to Chelsea, which was problematic. We lost 1-0, which was not fun, but um, I do like to keep up on them. Um, and if you're into like true crime at all, The Accused is a good podcast. I would check that out. Um, it's very similar to uh, the first season of Serial. Um, and then, of course, um, our two favorite podcasts of the show, other than, you know, obviously we're, we like the Rail Splitter because that's us. Uh, Beat My Guest with AJ Mass and Something Something Birds with Levy George. Those were our two guests last week on our trivia show. So I would recommend both those shows. Did anybody beat us, I wonder? Probably not. Well, I mean, Mary and AJ beat us, but right, outside yeah. of that. <laughs> yes, and we appreciate Mary not uh, boasting too much um, as you were jo- joined with you and your your newly crowned championship, <laughs> the reigning champion of rail splitter trivia. Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> and, and Nick's new newfound disregard for the uh, lack of an E next to our podcast. Dude, you family say, show. It's a family show, Nick. You could say that one. You just can't say the F-bomb. Which I believe you did also drop during the trivia episode. Well, you can get one, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. We used our one for the season, even though we're not broken yeah. on the season. So uh, go ahead and tweet at us a couple things. One, tweet at us uh, what your score was on the trivia episode. We'd love to hear what people think. Uh, we did get some good uh, feedback from a few folks, um, so that was good to hear. And if you haven't taken, uh, haven't listened to the trivia episode, uh, go and give it a listen. It's pretty fun. We'll try not to spoil any answers here, um, although we did kind of reveal who won the game, but that was no surprise to anyone anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> So today we are going to talk about, uh, we're kind of going to extend what we normally would do just for an opener. We were kind of talking over the last couple of weeks like, oh, someone said this about the Civil War. Someone said this about Abraham Lincoln. That'd be a great thing to put at the top of the show. Uh, And then we kind of realized that Nick put together a really, really comprehensive list. And it turns out there's so much of that stuff going on that it uh, it could take up an entire show. Um, and it really probably should take up an entire show. So instead of just kind of trying to chat about uh, different things about the Civil War that people are talking about, uh, we're going to spend a whole show on it uh, because there's quite a lot going on. And I think um, kind of similar to what Nick was talking about with uh, the Road to Now podcast, I think all of history, the whole point of learning history is to do a better job of understanding ourselves and to do a better job of understanding where we are in the world. So if you don't talk about current events, uh, really you're not talking about history anyway so and we're going to try to look at this from like a historical perspective like kind of what they're getting historically inaccurate why that's happening um so we're trying not to you know we're trying to look through it through a historical lens obviously all history i think howard zen said it paraphrase it is all historians choose what facts to present and to omit um and we're going to do our best to be as fair 
in that regards as possible. So we're not in here to push a political agenda um, as we're looking at this stuff. I feel like you're talking directly to me when you say that. I feel like we're not. I was to- looking at you, but I was not <laughs> purposely pushing. We're not here. That's what. I, that's all I'm here for, man. That's all I'm good for on this show. Like we're not here to put like the Twitter. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be clear. Judge it for yourself. Hopefully you enjoy the show, and hopefully we don't anger you in the process. I do think that that's part of the fun of, you know, talking history, though, is to be able to um, to put a little bit of your own view, your own beliefs into it. Mm-hmm. But obviously you got to take history for what it is, and you can't be too selective with facts, you know, like ignoring them or inventing them. Um, but, yeah, at the very least, kind of trying to understand what was going on then so that we can better understand. When know. I was putting the list together, I was thinking in my head, wow, these people are saying stuff. And it, I felt like it was inaccurately portraying mm-hmm. stuff that happened. Yeah. Was my biggest thing. You know, I'm a, I can live with, like, a different interpretation of the facts. But I feel like facts were being omitted or misrepresented. Mm-hmm. That was my mentality when I put the list together, I guess, is where I was going with all that. Right, and I think that that's it runs parallel to a lot of conversations we've had earlier about Lincoln and about the Civil War, um, especially when it comes to like the Confederate monuments and things like that. Um, learning the truth behind uh, the history is is very important to understand the the current political debate. So, Nick, why don't you take us uh, through a little bit of what you put together for our list? Well, the thing that kind of sparked it all was uh, John Kelly, General John Kelly, which is Trump's king. What is he technically his title? Um, he is the chief of staff. Yeah, thank you. Chief of staff. So he was out there. I think it was a Fox News interview. And basically, he ended up talking about the Civil War. Robert E. Lee came up. Um, and he kind of referenced the Civil War was an example of the lack of an ability to compromise is one of the quotes from that. And um, I would tell you, here's another quote, too, in regards to Robert E. Lee, who's obviously been in the news a lot um, with his statues. Um, I believe is a Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville. Am I correct on that? Yes, that's what the, yes. the, yep. the, main, the main crux of the matter was, was his statue. Yep. And then uh, basically his quote is, I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. He was a man that gave up his country to fight for his state, which 150 years ago was more important than a country. It was also loyalty to state first back in those days now it's different today and then that was followed obviously by sarah sanders um was asked the next day at the white house you know briefing um and she responded with um basically people were calling out um kind of kelly on his quotes specifically the ability to compromise um quote and she said historians agree that failure to compromise was a cause of the civil war so um and that led to a bunch of discussion and stuff. And I just kind of felt like that was a misrepresentation mm-hmm. of, you know, truly what was happening um, at that time. Because if anything, it was the compromises that led up to the Civil War. I mean, there was many compromises that yep. went there. Um, heck, our Constitution started with a compromise dealing with the main issue of slavery. Um, the Three-Fifths Compromise, you could start there. All the way to the Missouri Compromise, Compromise of 1850, Kansas-Nebraska Act. You know, I mean... So on and so on. So I, I just think that's another one of those examples of misrepresenting how the Civil War started. I don't know. Thoughts yeah. when you first heard the quotes? Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. It, it's a misrepresentation of of how it actually happened. And it just shows that, I don't know, it's it's whether the way that they're taught in school or, you know, 
I read one article um, that was about, um, it was Frederick Douglass's family commented on it and they said that the kitchen table talk needs to change um, and we need to start telling the truth and stop the misrepresentation of what the Civil War was about and how it began. Yeah, and I, uh, it, it's interesting that um, they, they chose that failure to compromise line and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, even, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, directly quoted Shelby Foote from Ken Burns' documentary. And Ken Burns actually kind of now came under a little bit of heat for mm-hmm. for his Civil War work, um, which he's been very, very good about um, kind of owning where he was with that and um, realizing that that came out in 1990. Um, but there is a line from Shelby Foote in there, and he literally almost directly says – um, this, you know, what led to the civil war was our failure to do what we do best, which is compromise. Um, so I think there's a lot going on there. One, you've got a, what, 18 hour documentary and you're going to take one sentence from one person and use that to speak for the entire war or the entire work, even if you're just talking about the documentary, but also about that, you know, there's nothing in there that says we are going to subscribe to everything that this historian says it's presenting a bunch of different historians' perspectives. And it's interesting how, and Ken Burns pointed this out, Barbara Fields, who was on that documentary as well, a black woman, um, her comments were largely overlooked uh, because she Mm -hmm. is extremely critical of society at the time that that was created and how people ignore slavery and how she very, very clearly... And in no uncertain terms, at the very beginning in episode one of that documentary says that the Civil War started as soon as the Declaration of Independence was signed mm-hmm. with slavery still a part of the country. Um, so her, yeah. you know, she's saying it started in 1776. In other words, it was in from the very birth of the United States as a nation, the Civil War had already started. And then one of the last things in the entire work that Ken Burns pointed out via Twitter was her, Dr. Field, saying... And the Civil War still goes on, and unfortunately, it still can be lost, which is just such a profound statement. But, um, you know, Shelby Foote is very charismatic, and he tells the stories throughout, and he's much more of a presence throughout the documentary, so I think his piece gets remembered more. But I do think what she says is just so deep and does a much better job, I believe, of describing where we are now um, to Mm -hmm. say, even though it's been a while since she said it on film, but she said the civil war still goes on and we need to be mindful that it still could be lost. That to me, um, is much more of a, of a statement that I take away from that, from that work. Yeah. I I completely agree with you about that, Jeremy. And that was when, when Ken Burns tweeted that last week, I immediately retweeted it and said, I think I said, this is, I believe this, that this is true, what she said. And that's, you know, of all the things said in that documentary, that is the first time I watched it. I remember that stuck with me the most was what she said. Yeah. And that's one thing too, that I've noticed every time, every time I see that it's different for me because the first time I saw it, I was 10, you know, and I just was trying to learn as much as I could, you know, man, Uber nerd. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, But you know, now, you know, you see it differently through an adult's eyes, obviously Mm -hmm. it is through a, you know, hobby historian as i am now i see it differently and um so yeah i think that there's a lot to that but i think a lot of people latch on to that line from from shelby foot and uh, i was reading uh tanahazi coates new book um we were eight years in power which i think mm-hmm. i've mentioned on the show um and he wrote that wrote i mean obviously that it just came out a couple weeks ago but he wrote it 
before all this kind of started coming into the news. But he he uh, addressed the Shelby Footline directly in his book, basically saying to say that it's a failure of compromise. Like there there would there could not have been a compromise that didn't include slavery in mm-hmm. some way. And I think this is where it comes back to Abraham Lincoln. Um, once it was known that he was not going to compromise on the expansion of slavery, that's when secession started. Yeah, you know, it was very clear and very very accepted that he was not going to compromise on that. So I think when you're saying like we as a nation failed to compromise, what you're saying is Lincoln failed to compromise order or the United States elected someone who they knew was not going to compromise in the expansion of yeah. slavery. Um, and that's really what did it. Well, I think it's almost off that spin of trying to take it back to a state rights versus federal rights issue yeah. and thinking that there's room to compromise on that and kind of ignore it's back to the lost cause, you know, that they're trying to change the cause of the civil war from truly being slavery, which it was. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, Mississippi, our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. And every state that succeeded mentioned slavery as a cause in their declarations of succession. I mean, you, you just had the people, I think once that was lost and slavery was gone, you had the white power structure needed something else to grab onto to keep their power and to keep blacks oppressed. So they grabbed on this issue of state rights because this then allowed them to come up with the black codes, Jim Crow laws to keep people oppressed. And then I, I, that's just what pops in my head. It's failing to admit what the true issue was that led to this mm-hmm. difference. Right. Especially because yeah. when you're talking cause, you're talking the why. Why did the Civil War happen? The failure to compromise may have had something to do with the when. Like, why, you know, why did it happen in 1861 and not 1850 and not 1820 and not 1880? What well, happened in 1861 because the compromises had been spent and it was going to happen. At some point in time, it was going to happen because, as Dr. Fields said, as soon as that, as soon as we were conceived as a nation with slavery, the Civil War, we were on a path towards Civil War. What you know, no matter what point in history you pick, from 1776 to 1861, was somewhere on a path towards Civil War, whether it was delaying that or expediting it. So the when was probably having to do with compromise. The how maybe had a little bit to do with compromise. The why had 100% to do with slavery. Yep, I agree. You know, I always kind of view it as like, when, when I was teaching Civil War at, at school, I was kind of taught it a little bit like, use kind of like a family analogies. And then sometimes in relationship, there's stuff like you just don't compromise on. It's like, you know what? Like, I should be able to sleep with whoever I want. And it's like, no. <laughs> well, what about this? We'll just do threesomes. I'll include you. It's just like... <laughs> No, I mean, like, sometimes you just can't compromise on stuff. My mom listens to this show. I mean, you know, there's just some things you can't compromise on. And then, just for the record, it is not the real splitter's official position that slavery has anything to do with infidelity. Those are not, those are nowhere near each other on the morality scale. No, I understand. But I'm saying is some issues you just can't compromise on because it's wrong. Right. Is what I'm getting at there. Right. Um, I apologize to Mrs. Boyce. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm sure she's fine. But yeah, I, I think that that's like ignoring that giant why with the you know with the monument argument with the um, 
what causes civil war, states' rights versus whatever. Um, there, it's just ways around talking about slavery because obviously it's not convenient to talk about. It's not fun to talk about um, when you're talking about um, the the specifics of slavery. Um, and somehow there's this weird, and to me, just uh, you know, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this like feeling like you have to make people feel okay about any of it you know like to say well you know like who you know whatever your ancestors did your ancestors did um you know like there's that there's that tv show i don't know if it was on hbo or there's a big controversy because like it was that they would trace your lineage they trace celebrities lineage and uh, ben affleck apparently paid them a whole bunch of money to suppress his episode because it turned out his ancestors owned slaves i want to be like what who cares you know i mean like yeah like I don't know if my ancestors did or did not, but I know for a fact that every one of them benefited a hell of a lot from white supremacy. You know, we all benefited. Still, we mm -hmm. benefit a hell of a lot from the legacy of slavery. So whether or not they actually participated in it, to me, I, I don't really care. They probably didn't because they were in Ireland. But, um, you know, to, to say that I haven't benefited, our families haven't benefited, like to own that sucks. And it's really hard to wrap your head around. But. Um, that's a major part of the Civil War. And I think this idea that we got to pretend like it's not mm -hmm. uh, continues to uphold racism and it continues to uphold that which which Abraham Lincoln and others were fighting against. There was um, a really good article I read. It would be oh, a few months ago now. It was around the time the monuments were really big in the news. And it was um, it was a letter that ancestors of Stonewall Jackson had written basically saying, please take his statue down because of what he fought for was for slavery. And we do not believe in that, even though we are, I think they were his great, great, great grandchildren or something. And they said, what we do, who we do respect is his sister who was, she was an abolitionist. And it was a very eye-opening letter to read. Um, his, like his ancestors writing this basically saying, yep, please take his statue down because of what, he stood for is not what we believe and we believe it needs to come down now. Yeah. You know, and then there's a lot of misrepresentation of Lee out there, I think too. Um, I mean, people are correct that Lee did want the, you know, he could have probably preached, probably got some people to follow him to continue guerrilla war on after, you know, he surrendered, but he did preach not to do that. Um, but for him ever, you know, he never once, as far as the story goes about him freeing the slaves, I believe that was only because the court decided that he had to legally free the slaves. So yeah. that, that's a little bit of a misrepresentation there. And there's, you know, there's quotes of him saying that he felt that it was better um, for the, you know, blacks in America to go through and have slavery as an institution was better than them. Being in America and going through that was better than the alternative for them to paraphrase for the most part. Um, so I, I think we're choosing to ignore that. Um, and to be honest about that, um, when it comes to Robert E. Lee, you know, Grant tried to do a prisoner exchange with him and Grant mm -hmm. wanted, you know, African-American prisoners exchange as well. And Lee refused to do that. And, you know, that prevented him from getting some of his own Southern soldiers back as well. So, um, you know, and it, Lee has become the symbol for, you know, this push of this idea of the lost cause. 
Um, and that's why these monuments went up. The majority of the Robert E. Lee statues went up during the Jim Crow era mm-hmm. to help preach this message. Um, you know, and I found a great quote by a historian in one of the articles I was looking at, David Blight, mm-hmm. um, kind of referencing the compromise issue. It, re- it reflects a very old set of ideas about the meaning of the Civil War. Everybody was right and nobody was wrong. Everybody was noble and everyone fought for their conscience. You don't have to worry anymore about what they fought for. And then he goes on to say that this takes all responsibility away. That is your compromise. And, you know, it's just kind of saying, basically he's saying that some people are saying forget the why. But that why is so important and that legacy of that why still impacts us in 2017. And that's why we can't ignore that or forget that, I don't think, as a nation. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Nick. And I get asked a lot, you know, as a Canadian, my relatives will ask me, my friends will ask me, why are you so into the Civil War? And I'll tell them, I find obviously just short answers, I find it interesting. And they say, well, why was the Civil War fought? I keep reading it was about states' rights. And I will say to them, like, do you have about an hour and some beer? Because we need to have a talk about it. And I always say, it was slavery. And some of them are surprised by that just because, I mean, we're here in Canada, we don't learn about it in school. Um, But when people do ask me about it, I do say immediately, the cause was civil war, despite what you might, you know, sometimes read, or the cause was slavery, despite what you sometimes might read about it. So, and pardon my ignorance, is there, what's the legacy of slavery in Canada? Like, was there ever slavery? Like, I, I have been on the show no. before. I know nothing of Canadian history, and that's embarrassing. But No, no as far as far as I know, I'm sad, sad to say I don't know much about the history of my country other than what I learned in school. And, um, I mean, we've done some dark things in this country to, you know, the natives um, with residential schools and all that, and we're reconciling with that right now. Um but as far as I know, slavery was never an issue in this country. Um, and we were a place um, where slaves fled to during the Civil War with the Underground Railway. Um, I believe in, I think around where my county is in southwestern Ontario, there was, you know, groups of slaves that were here during that fled here during the Civil War. Um, we're right across the lake from Michigan. And um so yeah, we as far as I know, we've never had slavery in the country. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting to think, you know, how, um, you know, and I've been reflecting a lot upon like what, you know, Americans' attachment to violence, and you know, why we're the only country that has a legacy of violence in the same, you know, in the manner that we do. Um, you know, like it took what it took just, you know, to eradicate slavery is, you know, it's pretty staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the face of the moral arguments against it and just the you know, evolution of humanity, but still um, that it took such a monumental event with such amazing and um, you know, talented leadership to, to pull through us through Abraham Lincoln and several others. Um, and then that we're still trying to figure it out is just, you know, to me, just part of what fascinates me and part of why we have the show, right? To, to kind of unpack that to to get to the bottom of all of all of that. Well, to me, what I find almost more fascinating that is what they use to continue it. I mean, 
you know, mm-hmm. slavery does get abolished, but I mean, you had Jim Crow era is brought about, then a reconstruction. I mean, I was listening to that constitutional podcast, you know, they're talking about cruel and unusual punishment. You're talking the 1970s, you literally had, um, you know, segregated jails and you had the black convicts literally working a cotton plantation who were getting whipped and killed and murdered. And it took, you know, um, somebody to go out there and documented a lawyer and then people to risk their lives literally to share their story. I mean, this is all the way 1970, 1972. Um, you have like a kind of a, a system similar to the slavery institution that we had. I mean, that that's kind of just crazy to think about how almost a hundred years after um, the war, the end slavery was over. Um, it's just crazy and mind boggling to me that just the lengths that they went to keep kind of that legacy alive and kind of how that some people are still fighting for that. And the fact that it's been so that some people believe what they're fighting for is not that and that they are actually justifying a noble cause, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't understand the history of it behind it um, because it's more convenient and then you have politicians that play into it for votes um, on both sides. Um, it's just it's just crazy. It's mind-boggling. It's sad. I don't know how to correct it. I, I Maybe there needs to be more history podcasts and more people to listen to. But, you know, that's why history is important, is to look at that, evaluate that, challenge that, and that's tough to do, to right. get people to do that. And, and I think it's interesting, like the, the quote you brought up from Howard Zinn, um, like history is not really just the study of what happened but it's also the study of how was that recorded how was that told you know because like you know what actually happened in anything is never known right it's it's automatically changed by whoever perceived it right so like we'll never know what actually happened at any point in history we can't even pick you know like if if i talked about my day and nick crossed paths with me and he talked about the same event we're both going to have different interpretations Mm -hmm. of it right so like you know history is just a collection of what you know what we can gather from different accounts and and all those things which is why it's so fascinating because if we knew everything that happened it'd be a fairly boring endeavor because there'd be no interpretation there'd be no podcast to chat about it right um so to try to really get to the bottom not only of what happened but what it means and what it led to and what ripples are still going on because of that is what's really fascinating about the civil war to me and, and when you really, truly unpack the legacy of the Civil War and what happened and what has continued to happen, as Dr. Barbara Field said in Ken Burns' Civil War, that the Civil War is still going on and it still could be lost, mm-hmm. I think that that's very true. And I think in many ways uh, we're losing battles. I don't think we're, I don't think we're close to losing it, you know, necessarily. Uh, but I think we're, we've lost a couple battles, you know. I think we're, we're closer to the... The you know the 1862 the bottom has fallen out of the tub you know yeah. attitude yeah. that Lincoln had than we were in 1864 1865 when you know it was became a war of attrition but um, I do think we're losing some battles um, it's, from a humanitarian standpoint a political standpoint and um, you know but I think there's some positives I mean you look at like mm-hmm. you know you being a social studies teacher or a former social studies teacher you know a lot of the standards are pushing that way. So hopefully with this, a lot of the students coming up, there's more of a emphasis instead of on years and dates, like how it always traditionally had been, 
there's a much more emphasis on of analysis, who's writing this, mm-hmm. what's their thoughts, what's your stance on it, what could you use to back that up. And then going back to that, there's a Smithsonian article out there that I came across. Is it time we built a museum of the history of American history? I and read that, that article. Yeah. It was really interesting. And then like the first lines is a better understanding of how we interpret our past and what and who we choose to remember. Yeah. And would go a long way to healing our nation's wounds. And it does a great job. It tells kind of a story about JFK sharing in his book, um, Profiles of Courage, mm-hmm. that he wrote. And he highlighted, um, God, what's the guy's name? One of the guys he wrote about was, oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know how to say all that. Lucius Quintus Cincinnatus. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it mainly went by Cincinnatus. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyways... This guy, Kennedy, wrote this about it, and um, there was a lady out there who was kind of um, an advocate for different things, and she was very offended because that guy literally ran her relative, I want to say like grandfather, um, out of the South, and it was um, Ames, who was actually a Civil War general, went down there during Reconstruction, became one of the military generals in charge, and he pushed for equality. He appointed some... um, um, where is it here? Some black office holders. Um, he became a U.S. senator, late governor of Mississippi, a leading voice for racial equality. And he got ran out basically by this guy and what that guy believed in. And Kennedy kind of ignored that and portrayed Amos as a corrupt carpetbagger within the book. So just kind of showing you somebody who maybe didn't do their due diligence to look stuff up. So it's kind of a fascinating read. I would highly recommend finding it. Once again, the title is on the article. If you Google it, I'm sure you can find it. Is it time we built a museum of the history of American history? So, yeah, I mean, and I think to bring that back to Lincoln, like, why are there still biographies of Lincoln coming out? Right? Like, why is, uh, yeah. why are we excited that that uh, Ronald White and Ron Chernow both wrote Grant biographies, yeah. and like we can't wait to read them? Right? Like, there's been biographies of Grant since 1870, whatever, right, or well before that, you know, but. But we, you know, I always want to read the new stuff, I, you know, because there's always new stuff coming out. There's all, and it's not just like found documents, even it's new ideas based on existing mm-hmm. things, documents we've known have existed the whole time. You know, it's, um, you, you pair up a couple different things in a couple different ways or, you know, a couple different ideas and things almost completely change the outlook. And I think that, um, Abraham Lincoln has evolved historically speaking over time, you know, like from Carl Sandburg's work to, you know, works that we have now. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think that's important to note. Um, and I think that, you know, his, it's interesting, I think, to look at the history of even Lincoln scholarship. I think that, you know, obviously he was revered from his death until now, but, you know, I think for a while there kind of dipped a little bit as a lot of his earlier writings and more racist ideas and thoughts uh, were exposed. It almost became trendy to, point out how overrated he was and mm-hmm. you know i think now we're back on an upswing where people are kind of realizing that it was more and i think doris Kearns goodwin gets a lot of the credit for this um but her main thesis that i believe in that it was his political genius that got things done more than trying to judge him based on every single thing that he said in other words like he, he said and did things in order to get things accomplished as opposed to saying and doing things because it was exactly what he believed at all at that time. Um, but I think that book particularly changed how a lot of people look at Lincoln 
for good and for bad, but a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks, I started to look at him not as just the, the military leader or the, the civil war president, but really as a political genius, like it was his political genius that helped accomplish, uh, the emancipation and 13th, 14th amendments and, and that work. So that's kind of interesting. You bring up, um, the idea that he was saying stuff to get elected. Not that I disagree with you. Uh, I don't know if I would say to get elected as much as to get that, but also to get things done. Like political genius is not, and this is a huge, we're learning this very much, and I think Barack Obama is, is, is one parallel to Lincoln in this sense. His political genius did, all, did get him votes. But to say that political genius is getting into office is is a disservice. I think it was getting into office and then also accomplishing a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you look at his language that he used in the Frank uh, the Franklin, uh, the Lincoln Douglas debates. There is some difference in language depending on his geographic location. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. So, yes. is that an all right thing for a politician to do? Is that a not a right thing to do? Then, I think the beauty of that question is that there, the answer is yes and no. I mean, like, it, you know, that's that's why that's a beautiful thing. Like, you know, of course it was the right thing to do because look what he got accomplished. Of course it was the wrong thing to do. It's dishonest and, you know, it's not genuine. Uh, both of those things, I think, are very good arguments, you mm-hmm. know. Well, because I came across something, uh, Hillary Clinton, um, in one of her, I don't know, I, I I have the link to the clip. Um, you can find it too, where she's talking about reconstruction and she uses If it was a little less uh, rancorous, a little more forgiving and tolerant, that might possibly have brought people back together more quickly. So then if you start to break that down a little more forgiving and tolerant, who needed to be a little bit more forgiving and tolerant? Yeah. So now that's going back at this, you know, the Republicans, um, or at that time known as the Radical Republicans, which I also find a fascinating title with a loaded word like radical. Um, and that might possibly have brought people back together more quickly. So who are those people being brought back? You're talking about the South. Mm-hmm. So what were they too tough on? You know, with the you know, with the Reconstruction and, you know, pushing the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. So, you know, and then the person who kind of wrote the follow-up article to this um, talked about how, you know, this is kind of because when Bill and Hillary ran in, well, I guess Bill, excuse me, in Arkansas, you know, they had to appeal to that white voter and that this has almost become part of her, I don't know, conscious or history, history conscious, I guess. So is that right? You know, you know what I mean. It's kind of a just an interesting thing that I came across, um, and you see this a lot. You know, I came across this idea that some people have labeled the Dunning School of Thought after a Columbia pro, uh, professor, William Dunning. Basically, this idea that the Civil War, um, you know, the enslavement led to the Civil War was tragic, and that the post-war effort of radical Republicans in Congress to enfranchise the Southern Black population had been a serious error that imp- that impeded the restoration of the Union. So this idea of pushing for this equality was kind of the wrong in all of this. Mm-hmm. And Reconstruction was too tough to ask for equality um, in the South. 
and you had some people that get behind this thought. And I think you see a lot of this reflected in the modern day, um, mm-hmm. and it comes up in these statute debates. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, it, it raises a what if question too. What if Lincoln hadn't been assassinated? How would Reconstruction have gone? Yeah, I mean, and it's almost convenient in a way for Lincoln fans because he didn't have yeah. to deal with the quagmire that, you know, they complete. Yeah. Um, you know, trying trying to do that. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I think there is a reason that for a long time Johnson and Grant were, were looked at as failures as president. Um, they had they had almost as much of a monumental task as Lincoln had before them in Reconstruction. Um, you know, granted, I think Johnson was inept anyway, and I don't know, you know, if he ever would have done well. But, um, you know, that was obviously extremely difficult situation to to deal with. Um, and then I think a lot of people overlook how Reconstruction essentially ended with a presidential election of, of Rutherford Hayes and a backroom deal just to kind of yep. abandon it. A compromise. Yeah, literally. Yeah, a compromise to, to, you know, at the expense of black people everywhere, but certainly in the South, the, the Freedmen's Bureau was no more. The Reconstruction efforts were gone. Um, and essentially it was the Reconstruction ended over the Republican Party getting the White House. And we'll talk about that in a future episode because I believe that that was the moment that mm-hmm. the party of Lincoln became the current Republican Party. Yeah. Um, which I, Nick put in the show notes a quote from our current president about um, Lincoln being a Republican and be, that being surprising, um, which I just find that so rich that, you know. Yeah. You know, he said, <laughs> you know and Nick puts it to the note, but, you know, great president. Most people don't even know he's a Republican, right? Does anybody know? Um, and of course, everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> but the fact that, that he apparently just had learned it um, is interesting because I would be surprised, too, if I were him to realize that someone as great as Lincoln had a party with the same name. That he yeah. Does. And then he goes and assumes that just because he didn't know it, everybody else must not know it either. Right. Which, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Mo- most people don't know that. It's like, yep. yeah, no, I, every, everyone knows that. But yep. anyway. Uh, but that's another fascinating debate. Like, how how did that party, uh, you know, become, you know, the progressive party, the party for change that it was, become the, the status quo that it is now, arguably. Um, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I do think that that is a historical debate as, you know, how did that party evolve? Because the Democratic Party similarly um, has had some significant change too over time well i think yep. both their evolutions can be found in how the south came together after reconstruction yeah and and how america changed during the civil rights movement you also start to see you can't look at the evolution of both those parties without looking back at the civil war reconstruction and the modern civil rights movement yep. and then not see the turns that each takes mm-hmm. and then i agree and then I think both parties are also guilty of this, of not wanting to take a look at their flaws and within their legacy. And, and I think Democrats are guilty of that um, a great deal because, you know, when you, when you think of Democrats, if we were back in, um, crap, if we were back in, what, 1960s, 50s in the South, what we're talking about, they're the ones who are trying to control this white you know, power structure down there. And keep that in place. Well, I mean, look at look at electoral maps, and you can just see there's a very 
very obvious point in history when the South turned from reliably Democrat, like, mm-hmm. like reliably, comfortably Democrat, every single presidential election until 1968. And then it has never been blue since. And 1968 was when they, many people in the South felt that they were sold out by Lyndon Johnson when he signed the Civil Rights Act in 1965. He dominated the South in 1964, enacted civil rights legislation in 1965, and the South has never gone Democrat again since. I think that there's something to that, um, and that was a significant moment. And, you know, you can see that the political map essentially flipped um, at that point in time because there were some reliably red states in the North that are no longer reliably red anymore. Um, and then hopefully over time that's changing. Um, and those gaps are narrowing, I think. Um, but at the same time, there are quite a few states in the North that um, have gone gone red. Wisconsin, Michigan, mm-hmm. Ohio, yep. Pennsylvania. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting turning point. But I think that there are, you know, it is interesting, I think, to look politically to see that in Democrat or Republican, the states that made up the Confederacy largely – stay together in presidential elections, presidential politics, and there hasn't been a whole lot of cracks in that since 1860, 1860, really. Why is it? What's I mean, kept it together? Has it been that the the power structure just never really changed that was in place? Is it... I mean, I think of a lot of it's still, I think a lot of it is regional. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to try to stereotype for an entire region of the country, but I mean, there are some regional trends, I think, you know, um, I, I do think race plays into it for sure. I mean, it, you know, the one, the one time it was broken up, George Wallace got some votes, got some electoral votes, you know, so that's, that's worth noting yeah. as well. But North Carolina went to Barack Obama in 2008. I mean, it's it's not as if and and their and their states are. It's not like the, it's not like you can go in the reddest state in the union. You know, I don't know if that's what Arkansas, Oklahoma, maybe. It's not like it's 90-10. I mean, they still they're still 40 percent or so. You know, politics are divisive everywhere you go, and and those gaps are narrowing. And there's very very few. I think there was one or two states that had every county go to the same candidate and i believe it was oklahoma and maybe arkansas but you know that's very rare so i mean there's still quite a quite a vast number of viewpoints in this country which is good no i, I agree and you know just kind of think about all this is just um it kind of made me think of uh speaking of our podcast i was listening to a road to now one a more recent one about the historical markers and how those are mm. determined and who gets to put them in and, you know, like kind of tying to our theme, you know, history, you know, what's a historian? Who's a historian? You know, what are they leaving out? What are they including? Um, and, and it kind of just brings me back to like, like Lee, Stonewall Jackson, you know, Jefferson, mm-hmm. all these guys got like these statues. Yeah. But then all of a sudden Longstreet, who was behind, yes. next to Lee, yeah. like just as long. Has like no recognition. Well, I don't know about no recognition, but not nearly the monument presence as Lee. And you know, and over time, you know, briefly after the Civil War, he kind of becomes like the the scapegoat. 
for the Confederacy. Yes. Like he's the one who blew Gettysburg, even though he told Lee not to do picket charge. You know, is that because he, you know, he will come out and support Grant when he runs as a Republican down in the South? Um, he will go from he'll be in New Orleans. He'll lead an integrated police force. Um, you know, against white supremacists who are rioting, um, causing rebellion in New Orleans. You know, so it's just kind of interesting how some people's histories almost just kind of get pushed to the backside about it. And I'm not saying that Longstreet should have all these monuments or anything, but it's just funny, like, how he was forgotten. And then it's just like Robert E. Lee becomes, I read somewhere, like, Eisenhower had, like, three pictures of famous Americans who represented American ideals hanging. He was either in his office or his house, and Robert E. Lee was one of those three. Like, we, like, put Lee on this huge pedestal. Yeah, And then, to me, one of the dumbest things was Pickett's Charge and all the Civil War. And, you know, and just the way he chose to lead the Civil War. I mean, you want an independent nation. You don't need to go invade somebody. They got You got to make them come and take you back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think Lee, just because of this revisionist history, almost just is put on this pedestal of, like, he's equivalent to Abraham Lincoln in some people's eyes, if not higher than and this is mind boggling to me. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. Yeah, I agree too. And his like I think Longstreet's only monument is at Gettysburg. And it's not raised on a pedestal. It's right on the ground. Like you can go right up to it. I was there. I saw it last time I was at Gettysburg. You can go right up to it. And like I put my hand right on the horse. It's right there. And I've done some research about like the sculptor and all that and why it's on the ground. And apparently they didn't, at the time they put it up, they didn't want him raised up. They wanted him on the ground just, and part of it was believed to be how the South feels about him. That he, as you said, Nick, he is the scapegoat for them. Yeah. Which, I mean, he was between, I mean, he and Jackson were very much, I think on on an equal level as far as, Lee's right and left hand and you know like mm-hmm. um and I think you could make an argument for you know Longstreet being more more successful I mean you can throw in Jeb Stewart in there too but um as far as who Lee relied upon to be as successful as he was um and yeah largely unsung I, I just I can remember like knowing very very well who Stonewall Jackson was I mean maybe part of it's because he had a cool nickname I don't know but like I remember being you know fairly interested student of history and i knew lee and and jackson and uh, jeb stewart and i didn't even know who longstreet was until i took a course on american military history and uh, the professor happened to really like longstreet and would talk about longstreet a lot because from a military standpoint you know uh, he he was a genius apparently um so yeah it's interesting how that how plays out and how um and i think some something has been made too of uh, shelby foot calling lincoln and uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, the only two geniuses or two of the geniuses produced by the Civil War, um, <laughs> which is, you know, at the time was not that controversial in 1990 or 19 you know, yeah. late 80s when they filmed it. But, you know, to put those two in the same sentence is pretty shocking. Yeah, know, it's, to me, it's scary. Yeah, yeah it's, it's shocking to me, too. It's scary to hear their names in the same sentence. Yeah, I mean, I think just what we're seeing here is the Civil War. It's just the way I I don't – it's just so much revisionist history. 
um, mm-hmm. that's presented in the media. And, and I think a lot of the people who are probably listening to this um, aren't don't fall in that boat, but just as the way politicians decide to use it, the media, whether you're talking about how the Civil War was fought or the reasons it was fought or how Reconstruction played out or who we should honor, who we shouldn't honor, it's just... It's just crazy to me, and it's kind of ironic that in like 2017, it's become like this huge, like going back to the quote that we brought up at the beginning, the uh, the lady from Ken Burns, what's her name again? Um, oh, Barbara Fields. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's literally we're using this to almost wage the Civil War again, <laughs> from a verbal rhetoric standpoint. Right, and it's and it's still about slavery, you know, like to say yeah. that it's about our yeah. identity or, or our heritage or regional connections that's all absurd you know i mean that's it truly like especially when we're talking symbols and flags and things like that it's it's definitely still going on and um and it's you know it could be still going on in good ways too i mean we still could be doing fighting fighting for equality and equity in ways that that help um for sure so it's not necessarily exclusively a bad thing uh, but there are forces that want to they want to keep it going, um, and I think the part of that quote that's important is that it could still be lost, which is um, something definitely to keep in mind. Um, as historians, as educators, um, as podcasters, even, um, and that's why we still talk about these things. You know, if it's just trying to figure out what happened and when, uh, to me that's a that's boring. You know, that's not why I'm interested in history. It's more to understand myself and what our place is in this this crazy world. I think the thing to take away from it is as much as revisionist histories we're hearing and as much wrong as we're hearing, the thing is, is that it is being discussed again. And hopefully that discussion allows people to think, hey, maybe I need to go and read some more about this and figure out for myself what happened because something doesn't sound right about that. And hopefully that helps change the thinking behind what we're hearing, you know, from John Kelly and all that, like, hopefully something good will come of this. Yeah, I think that's, uh, and I think that's an extra excellent point to kind of wrap this uh, talk up. We're kind of getting close to an hour, but I think that Mary, that's a really well stated point that um, that's why we need to continue to learn because it will help us understand these things and to look at issues like this with a critical eye. So, um, and the good news is there's a ton of resources out there. That's right. That's right. There's one yes. for you every Thursday. Uh, oh, yeah. It's about an hour long. It's called the Rail Splitter Podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, real quick, uh, we're going to get to this week in Lincoln. But before we do, I just want to mention uh, quickly, um, this episode is going to drop on November 9th, um, which is two days before Veterans Day. So if anyone is listening who is a veteran, we would like to thank you for your service. Um, if you are a veteran and you participate with us on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, just let us know that you're a veteran. I know sometimes that might feel awkward to do, but, um, if we're interacting with any of you all and, um, we have an opportunity to thank you for your service, we'd like to do that. I know it's not something you always just throw into conversation. So it just would be kind of interesting for us to know who among our listeners uh, is a veteran. Um, but we certainly would like to thank all of the men and women who have uh, served uh, for their service and their sacrifice uh, for all of us. And we truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Veterans are awesome. Um, and I think, uh, I hope you all have a great veterans day 
And I do a lot with veterans. I think they're great. And I think it's something that our community could do even more as far as recognition and support. Um, and a lot of organizations are doing that by where we're at. And I hope they continue to do that. And I hope it continues to grow um, because veterans, you know, um, they go out there and their service might, you know, their service, no matter how long it is, dictates the rest of their life. And they definitely dictates our life as well. Um, for the better. So we appreciate y'all. Yeah. Agreed to the veterans out there. Thank you for your service. All right. Uh, Nick brought the this week in Lincoln this week. So I'm going to turn it over. Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, before I get in that, uh, I would encourage people when I was doing some research on this and I think Mary kind of pointed it out too, there's a ton of crazy articles out there, yeah. like good articles that make you really think about this issue. Um, kind of how we interpret, um, you know, um, whether it's Robert E. Lee, the Civil War, um, you know, Frederick Douglass um, in present day society as opposed to what is in history. So I would encourage you to look at a, a ton of different links all over the place out there um, and tweet them at us, too. So if you, you know, you listen to this episode, um, we love to read them as well. And we'll share them with um, the people that are following us. Uh, but this week in Lincoln, I'm kind of going back to the idea, you know, um, and we mentioned this before. I think we even played the clip before. So. Um, I apologize for that, but I kind of felt like it fit in. It's kind of the Simpson episode of Pooh's getting his citizenship. And it comes down to one question and why was the Civil War fought? And Pooh's going into this long, complex answer because he thinks that's what he needs to get it passed. And basically, he's told to say it's slavery. And just as simple as that. I mean, that is the cause that divided this nation um, and in some ways still divides it now. So. This week in Lincoln is a poo passing his citizenship test. All right, and we did play this like it was like episode two or three, maybe. So we'll play it for you one more time right now. Here's your this week in Lincoln, the citizenship from citizenship test from The Simpsons. All right, here's your last question. What was the cause of the Civil War? Actually, there were numerous causes. Aside from the obvious schism between abolitionists and anti-abolitionists, economic factors, both domestic and international, played a significant. Hey, hey. Yeah. Just, just say slavery. Slavery it is, sir. Yes, I am a citizen. Now, which way to the welfare office? What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I work. I work. Okay, and that was uh, that was a poo getting his citizenship, uh, and it was interesting. I think at the time that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke that it was more complex than just slavery, and now I think we're starting to move back to the idea that yeah, it was just slavery. Which so, kind of leads back to our whole thing that this thing ebb and flows over time with what's out there and how modern day society interprets it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, interesting that that was another clip, I believe, from, you know, that was from the early 90s as well. So uh, we've got a lot of good episodes in store for you all leading up to the end of 2017, which is kind of crazy to think about. But and we got a really good uh, slate of episodes uh, coming up on a wide range of topics. Uh, if there's any topic that you have particular interest in and would like to hear us chat about, uh, go ahead and tweet us or join us in the Facebook group. We are at RailSplitterPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can search RailSplitter on Facebook to find the Facebook group. We've been adding members uh, pretty consistently over the last few weeks. Um, it would be very, very helpful for you to uh, go out on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate that to help us improve the show and to get a little bit of traction when people search for an Abraham Lincoln podcast. So please give us a review. Help us pass Lincoln logs. 
Yeah, that's right. The defunct Lincoln Logs <laughs> podcast still shows up when you search Abraham Lincoln podcast. We like for us to show up. Um, and we always uh, want to get more listeners. So if you know anyone who is a Civil War or Abraham Lincoln fan, please let them know that we exist. Question. What visual pops in your head when you hear Lincoln Log? The blocks from when I was a kid. Just curious yep. from the viewers, yeah. the listeners, yeah. I mean. The blocks that we we sell them where I work. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Uh, once again, happy Veterans Day uh, to everyone. If you're uh, celebrating the holiday, please enjoy it and be safe. Uh, and thank you again to our veterans. Uh, veterans, and that's everywhere. Right. America, Canada. Yep. Yep. I, around the world. South Korea. Does that go just just our allies? Or I would say no. Everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. Even our the Confederate, day. even the Confederate veterans. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have to worry about that because they're gone. Yeah, they, they gone. They all gone <laughs> from then. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, veterans around the world, and uh, of course, also our active duty uh, men and women. We thank you. Uh, for Rail Splitter Mary and for Rail Splitter Nick, I am Rail Splitter Jeremy. Thanking you for tuning in this week and asking you to keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you next week. <laughs>